0: through 38 uh, mark 834 through 38 this uh, is the 33rd and final sermon of our series uh, through the first eight chapters of the gospel of Mark you realize we started this journey through these eight chapters on father's day of last year uh, and so uh, it has been a joy a walking through this together with you and And perhaps down the road, uh, when the Lord lays on our hearts, uh, perhaps we'll pick back up in chapter 9 and and finish the rest of the book. Uh, But this will be the final uh, sermon in our series, uh, Jesus, a man like no other. Last week we answered the question, who is Jesus? Or uh, more specifically, the disciples answered for us, who is Jesus? And the answer was, he is the Christ. He is the Son of God, anointed and predetermined by the Father to come and to be the Savior and the leader of God's people here on earth. Today we answer the question: what is a Christian? You know, have, you ever, have you ever thought of that definition? What is a Christian? Well, technically the, the name, the word Christian means little Christ. And uh, in, initially it began as a derogatory term, but, uh, but eventually was embraced by believers yes that uh, to be uh, honored enough to be considered a a little Christ was indeed something to be uh, embraced a Christian we might say is an adherent to the religion or the teachings of Jesus perhaps a a disciple or a student of Jesus but perhaps more specifically a follower a follower of Christ now next question is what does that entail what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus what is involved in following Christ what what will it cost me to follow Christ this morning I hope you realize the high price of following Jesus perhaps it is not as easy as many of us have been told that it is consider the high price of following Jesus the Christ. I want to invite you, if you're able this morning, to stand with me. This will be an honor for the reading of the Holy Word of God. I'll be reading from Mark chapter 8, starting at verse 34. And these words were inspired by the Holy Spirit and written by Mark. And he summoned the crowd with his disciples, and he said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, and take up his cross and follow me for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul for what will a man give in exchange for his soul for whoever is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the son of man will also be ashamed of him when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. Let's pray together. Father, as we enter into this most sacred time where we open up this book and read and study these words for the purpose of understanding and living them out, I pray, God, that we would come to this time with reverence, knowing that we are hearing in reading the very Word of God Himself. Father, I pray that we would come with the expectation that as Your Word is proclaimed, as the Gospel is presented, You will work in power to draw the lost to salvation in Christ before it is too late. And Father, we come with joy and expectancy awaiting to hear the message that you have for each and every one of us to apply to our lives as we consider the cost of following Christ. It is in His name that we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You ever been duped by the fine print? You know, perhaps you signed a lease on an apartment and not realizing that you would have to forfeit your deposits uh, if you left early or did something to the facility, or perhaps you signed up for this credit card because of the killer interest rate, only to realize that a few months down the road that interest rate would just balloon uh, way larger than it was initially. This past week, I fell victim to the fine print. Now, we went uh, a couple weeks ago uh, to J.C. Penny and shopped and bought some clothes and stuck the receipts in my wallet and. Lo and behold, last week I was cleaning my wallet out and found the JCPenney receipt. also found attached to it one of those coupons you know, that they print out sometimes and give you with your receipts. And this thing said, you spend $20 and you will save $10 off your next purchase. And I was like, amen. You know, I, I need some undershirts, honey. Let's go to JCPenney's. I'm going to buy me a couple packs of undershirts and I'm going to throw this coupon down and I'm going to save $10. So I was all excited about going to Penny's and getting me some undershirts and so we drove all the way to Lexington and and, uh, and did some things and went to the mall and we were walking in the parking lot about ready to walk in the door and I said I'm going to check this coupon one more time just make sure it doesn't expire which it hadn't yet so you know I thought we were all good and then I kept on reading and then finally read the fine print and said that this must be used on the following items and it started listing these specific items Undershirts was not one of them. And I was so disappointed and and I didn't get me my undershirts. But the fine print reels us in sometimes and we don't pay attention to it until it's too late and we're stuck. But you know, that's not the case with following Christ. There's no bait and switch to it. He tells us plainly In bold print right off the bat, if you want to follow me, this is what must happen. And so it is foolish on our part to think that we could enter into this relationship of following Christ and not realize up front it's going to cost something, and that cost is extremely high. Here Jesus addresses not only his disciples, but also the crowd. And so we realize in this that as Jesus is speaking, he is speaking first of all to the curious in the crowd. He's speaking to the committed in his disciples. He's also speaking to the counterfeit, because undoubtedly Judas Iscariot was there as well. And so what he is about to say, he wants everyone to recognize up front. This is what it means to follow me. Mark is laid out for us for eight chapters now. Who is Jesus? He is the Son of God. He is the Christ. And last week he shows us what it is the Christ has come to do. He has come to suffer and to die and to fulfill the will of the Father so that He might redeem his church and so now he's telling us in light of what you know about me in light of what you know about my mission here is what I require of you if you want to follow me here are the terms first of all you must emulate his passion you must emulate his passion you've got to retrace his steps and you've got to follow in his steps all the way to the cross. We recognize, first of all, surrendering is necessary. He summoned the crowd with His disciples. He said to them, if anyone wishes to come after me, if anyone wants to follow in my steps, he must, first of all, deny himself. Must. Divine necessity. Remember last week, Jesus taught them that the Christ must Suffer, be ridiculed, be killed. Now he's saying, if you want to follow me, here's what you must do. You don't get to pick the terms and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, but this is the way I'm going to do it. He says, no, you follow me, you must, first of all, deny yourself. Now he's not talking about asceticism. He's not talking about, well, okay, I guess I've got to... uh, uh, practice Lent and, and not do a few things I want to do. And that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about surrendering. He's talking about waving the white flag and saying, I quit, I give up. He's saying that, you know, I have got my ambitions and my goals and my desires, but now I'm laying them all down and I'm giving it to you, Jesus. I've got my plans and my ideas about the way I think life should be and the way I think this world should operate, but now I'm giving it all to you, Jesus. No longer mine, it is yours. It is surrendering your will to His divine will with the belief that His will is superior to yours. Denying yourself. Making Jesus your new center of gravity the universe no longer rotates around you and your plans. It is saying from now on, Jesus, you are the center and you are the focus. It's no longer about me. I've got wants and ambitions and desires, but those things are subservient to yours. It takes a strong degree of faith to surrender one's life to Christ. But yet it must happen if you're going to follow him surrendering is necessary suffering is necessary he says if anyone wishes to come after he, he, me he must deny himself and he must take up his cross now he's not talking about bearing the usual burdens a lot of times you'll hear people talk about this well you know I just struggle with my boss at work he's just an ordinary cuss we don't get along but you know what I guess that's just my cross to bear or we think you know I've got this this ailment that's just bothering me maybe arthritis or or whatever it is the case may be I just can't shake it I can't it can't I guess it's just my cross to bear or I've got all these bills that are rolling in and and I and I I got more bills and I have income and I can't I guess it's just my cross to bear but what is a cross Jesus said he must take up his cross and follow me so maybe that's what we got to stop and think about. is he talking about just burdens we don't like or what is a cross a cross was a tool of execution it was a suffering device a torture device that was used to put people to death upon by the Roman Empire it was estimated that in Jesus' lifetime perhaps as many as 30,000 people were crucified were, were executed on, on crosses and so his audience knew when Jesus says pick up your cross they knew what he was talking about see in that culture it was common practice for the one condemned to carry their own crossbeam to the place of execution in essence it was a death march It's like a person on death row going towards the electric chair. And people cry out, dead man walking. Because you were carrying your cross. You were heading towards your death. There was no stopping it. There was no pardon that would be coming. You were headed straight for your execution. No turning back. No getting out of it. (coughs) Headed towards your death. And Jesus says, you must pick up your cross you must be willing to die first of all physically you've got to be willing to be martyred for me but you have got to die to self Paul says in in, in Romans chapter 8 that we are putting to death the deeds of the flesh that we have sinful desires that are welling up inside of us, that want us to live and act and do certain things. And we are saying, no, I am killing sin. I am intentionally crucifying the flesh. Paul talks about this again in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. Putting to death the deeds of the flesh. Crucifying the flesh. Dying to our own selfish desires. By the power of the Holy Spirit, willing to die to self, willing to lay down your life and surrender, be executed on the cross. by the way, a person could not crucify themselves, they had to be crucified. They had to have someone else administer. The entire act of crucifixion. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to fight the desires of our sinful flesh. You know, crosses are a very popular form of jewelry. Maybe some of you are wearing crosses on your necklace, and you see people all the time you know, wearing the cross. One time I was working at the food court in the mall in Louisville when I was going to the seminary, and there was another seminary student that was there. His name was Chris, and he was studying to be a, a foreign missionary. And so he was very evangelistic in his, uh, in his whole mindset and all of his, his, uh, his life. And, uh, so me and him were working the front line, and a customer comes up. And a guy has a big old cross hanging on his necklace. So Chris says, You know, I, I like your like your cross there on your necklace it's pretty cool and the guy says yeah I thought it was cool too and Chris says does, does that hold any special significance for you or anything and the guy says no I just, I just thought it looked nice and Chris goes you know it's kind of odd he said you know a, a cross was a, a tool of execution a torture device and that would be the equivalent of walking around with a, an electric chair hanging on your necklace or, or walking around with a noose around your neck you know that, I don't see that would be very cool and uh, the guy just kind of laughed it off and didn't say anything else and walked away and I just thought you know what that, that's so true so many people walk around with the cross thinking it's an emblem of, uh, of, of, of happiness it's an emblem of, of uh, fashion when Jesus said it's an emblem of suffering you've got to be willing to suffer you've got to be willing to lay down your life and follow me suffering is necessary and by the way not fulfilling your own selfish desires is hard it takes suffering to overcome your own willfulness suffering is necessary submitting is necessary verse 34 he says you must deny yourself you must take up your cross and you must follow me That means make Jesus the authority of your life. A lot of people want a Savior. A lot of people want that get out of hell free card. A lot of people want that fire insurance. But they don't want a Lord. They don't want a Master. They don't want a King who is going to command them, who is going to expect obedience every step of the way. We want a friend. We want Jesus as our homeboy. But is He your Lord? Is He your authority? Does He hold sway over your life and give you direction and expectations? Submitting is necessary if we're going to follow in His steps. Most of us are familiar with the poem, Footprints. Footprints. You know, the person says they look back over their life and they see one set of footprints in the sand, and the Lord says that's the time when I carried you. Times of trouble and difficulty, and that's, that is so true. But also, we can think about it like this In our life, there ought to be times we ought to be able to look back and see only one set of footprints. That's the footprints of Christ. And that means that we are so closely following Him, we are literally walking in His steps. That we're not taking our own path, we're not taking our own side routes, but we are literally following in the same way that Jesus is heading. You know, we want to arrive where He is at. To follow Christ means ultimately there is a goal in mind. We want to arrive where Jesus is at. Jesus walked a pathway of suffering to glory and there's no other way there's no shortcut there's no scenic routes we got to follow in his steps if we want to come after him you must emulate his passion his willingness to lay down his own glory to follow the will of the father suffer and die on a cross so that we might be saved you must emulate his passion you also must embrace his paradox what is a paradox? a paradox is something that appears contradictory on the surface but yet it is true we see that in verses 35-37 he says whoever wishes to save his life will lose it there's a paradox right there it's the futility of your safety The futility of your safety, self-preservation, according to Jesus, is disastrous. We want to save your life. It's the the image here of being on trial for Christ. And you can recant your faith and walk away free. Or you can hold on to Christ and suffer a martyr's death. Jesus says, self-preservation saving a desire to save your own self and not be crucified and not pick up your cross he says the end result is death you will lose your life now Mark was writing to people who were being persecuted by the Roman Empire they had to make a decision were they going to cling to Christ or were they deny him same question can be asked of us we might not live in the Roman Empire but we live in a culture where the, where the beliefs and the views of Christians are being persecuted. We're living in a day and age where you go on social media and you dare say something that is biblically true yet politically incorrect, you will be ostracized and you will be shamed and you will be criticized. And the question you have, will you desire to save face and give up your commitment to Christ or will you be willing to suffer to the point of death if need be the futility of your safety Verse 35, it is mirrored by the fidelity of your Savior. We need to trust in Him and trust in His faithfulness. The, willing, the, the reason that we are willing to deny ourselves, pick up our cross and follow Him, is because we believe He is faithful. We believe there is some sort of reward and some sort of payback for this to make it all worth it. If it wasn't, then why do it? And Jesus says this, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. Jesus is saying, you follow me, you will be taken care of. Short term there may be suffering, but long term there is glory. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, is it worth it or not? He says, whoever is willing to die for my sake and the gospel's sake So not only for Jesus, the the, the Messiah, but also for His message. What What is the gospel? It's the message that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins. It is that Jesus rose again. And the gospel message is that we trust in what He has done. You will be made right with God. You will have a relationship with your Creator restored because of what He has done for you. But you've got to surrender yourself to Him and submit and allow your passions to be crucified so that His will might live in your life. He says if you do that the promise your life will be saved. The fidelity and the faithfulness of our Savior pledging allegiance to Him and to His gospel. But also we see the fragility of your soul in verse 36 and 37. As He's asking this question or pointing out this statement whoever loses his life for my sake will save it and then he says for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul what good would it be to hold on to your life as it now currently exists is it worth giving up your eternal soul he says because that's what's going to happen if you desire to save your life you're going to lose it is it worth losing your soul is the whole world and everything it offers Worth giving up your soul. And he's using financial language here that of gain and loss and counting the cost. You've got to determine this Jesus thing is it worth it or not? Would I rather have the world and all it offers, or would I rather crucify the desires of the flesh and have Christ and his promise of life? Weigh it on the balance. What's more important and what's more valuable to you? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer ought to be nothing. But yet there are so many people that want to hold on to their own sinfulness because the world is so alluring. But yet it's temporary And it is opposed to God. You can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God at the same time. You've got a choice to make. And Jesus said you must embrace this paradox. Nothing in this world is worth losing your soul for. You've got to lay it down and receive Christ. Finally, you must emphasize His perusia. Anybody here know what the word perusia means? It's a Greek word. It means His presence. Refers to the second coming. It's a theological term. It's one of them fifty cent words. His perusia, His return. He's coming back. We need to emphasize that in our life, and we need to emphasize that in the lives of others, because Jesus speaks of it in terms of certainty. It's going to happen and because of that it ought to be a time of consideration for us right now you need to consider what is your relationship with God what is your stance with Jesus Christ now is the time to ponder this because later on it's going to be too late to do anything about it now you've got the opportunity to know you are right with God Jesus says in verse 38 for whoever is ashamed of me in my words in this adulterous and sinful generation And so the thing you need to consider is this. Are you ashamed and adulterous? Are you ashamed of your commitment to Christ? Are you adulterous in your relationship with Christ? You have pledged to follow Him, yet you have forsaken Him and pursued the world. Is that a description of your walk with Christ? Ashamed and adulterous. Or are you proud and committed? Are you faithful? There will be moments where you waver. There will be moments where you're tested. There will be moments when you fall and stumble. That is true. But overall, is there a pattern in your life where you are ashamed of Christ? Is there a a predominant pattern where you are adulterous and pursuing the desires of the world instead of the Word of God? You need to consider this in light of His return because He says, whoever is ashamed of me... The Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes. When He comes. When He comes. He's speaking of it in terms of it's a done deal. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. It's a promise. When He comes, the Son of Man will return. His presence will be manifest here on earth once again. That moment is going to happen. And when it does, it will be, first of all, a time of condemnation For those who are ashamed in pursuing the ways of this world because He says the Son of Man will be ashamed of Him. In other words, He says it like this, if you are ashamed to make a stand for Christ now, He will be ashamed to take a stand for you in the judgments when He returns it will be a time of condemnation just as He promised I will return He has promised there will be a judgment and He has promised there will be condemnation there will be a price to pay for those who are clinging to their sinful way of life refusing to humble themselves and follow Christ it will be a time of condemnation if you love your sin so much that you refuse to come to Christ. It will also be a time of coronation. He says the Son of Man will also be ashamed of Him when He comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. You see, the return of Jesus is going to be dramatically opposed to His first coming. You see, the first time He came, there was agony. The next time He comes, He says, in the glory of The first time He came, there was separation between He and the Father when He cried out, Why have you forsaken Me when He was on the cross bearing our sins? But yet when He comes back again, He's coming in unity with the Father. He says, In the glory of His Father. The Father's glory will be upon Him when He comes. The first time He came, there was loneliness. He was on the cross forsaken by His own disciples. Forsaken by the Father as He suffered for our sins, but yet when He returns, He's coming with the company of the holy angels. You see, it's going to be a very different picture. The world doesn't want to buy into this picture of a suffering Messiah. You know, that's too weak for me, or that's too foolish for me. And Jesus says, you either buy into it now, or you will see the glory of the Son of Man when He returns. But yet, if you're ashamed of the suffering of Christ, if you are ashamed of the cross now, He will be ashamed of you when He returns in His glory, when He is crowned King of kings and Lord of lords, and all of His enemies are thrown beneath His feet. The question for you, where will you be on that day? Where will you be when He is crowned? Where will you be when the justice of God is meted out. You need to realize the high price of following Jesus. We, we live in an age of easy believism, don't we? Or you might ask somebody, well, how does a person become a Christian? And they could say, well, all you've got to do is this. You've got to raise a hand. You've got to say a prayer. got to walk an aisle. You've got to get baptized. And then boom. Instant. Christian that's all you need to know what does Jesus say if any man wants to come after me he must and there's nothing on here about any kind of external rituals that you've got to practice and those things are well and good I'm not condemning walking an aisle and getting baptized I, I encourage that but that's not going to save you that does not make you a Christian it might make you a member of the church that's easy to do but it don't make you a member of the family of God. There's a high price attached to that. You've got to deny yourself, take up His cross, and follow Him. Must. It's the only way. But yet we've watered it down and we dumbed it down so much in our appeal to try to bring as many as we can with well intentions. But are we are we guilty of duping people with fine print not telling them this is what Jesus expects of his followers becoming a disciple learning to lean through the trials and the difficulties of life because it's hard following Jesus is hard dying to self is difficult we don't want to do it But the question we've got to ask, are we willing to pay the price? You know, people pay more money for premium coffee than they do the cheap stuff. People pay more for high fashion than they do the generic stuff. And the reason why is because, for whatever reason, it's worth it to them. If it's worth it, if something is worth it to you, you will pay more for it than you would the other. There is a high price attached to following Christ. But think about it like this. The price is steep, but the payoff is sweet. There's a high price to following Christ. Denying yourself, taking up your cross, follow Him. It's hard. He expects a lot out of you in that. But He says, it's worth it. Is it worth it to you because you know what the cost of holding on to your own selfish existence the cost of doing that is much steeper what does it profit a man to gain the entire world forfeit his soul in light of who Jesus is and in light of what Jesus has done the invitation is there he is saying if you want to follow me if you want to arrive in glory because that's where Christ is at and that's where those who follow him end up he says if you want to Arrive where I am at. If you want to come after me, you must surrender. You must suffer. You must submit. You've got to weigh the cost. Pay the price. Receive the payoff. Or face the alternative. Let's pray together.